Kills and TKOs, episode 16, on this beautiful, beautiful hump day, Wednesday afternoon in the Valley. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. I can't believe it's almost October football season. Fall is in the air, although here in the Valley you don't feel it. It's pretty much 90 and sunny every day. But uh, yeah, lots of MMA action coming to you guys. We have some fights announced, some Contender Series episodes will break down, Bellator 299 this weekend, we'll recap UFC Noche, and uh, preview the um, UFC Fight Night Vegas 79 back in the Apex this weekend. Um, What a weekend I had. I had some friends come through from college uh, that I went to the University of Montana, go Grizz, Grizz alum, and uh, came to watch his Giants play the Cardinals. Shout out, Nick. Felt like a, a heartbreaker, him going to that game as the Giants were down ugly to debatably the worst team in the league this year. Had a crazy epic comeback, one of the biggest comebacks in Giants franchise history, so he did get the dub. Got to go to the Cardinals game. Excuse me, the Diamondbacks game on Saturday. Uh, they're playing for their their playoff lives with the Cubs, battling for that NL wild card here at home. Pretty good amount of, amount of fans there. Lots of Cub fans. They were playing the the Cubs cheering song at a bar by the stadium. I think someone hacked the jukebox for that. And uh, it was just a weird environment with so much on the line. It's, it's a quiet stadium. I'm used to the high intensity. I feel like I was cheering more and I had no, no horse in the race. But uh, it's a great time of year with the playoffs winding down. Basketball season right around the corner. Football in full effect. Rocking the Steelers. Got a nice win on Monday night. Had my friends over for that ugly Monday night victory. As I prepare to head to Vegas this weekend to go watch the Steelers play the Las Vegas Raiders Sunday night football in the Death Star. My first time seeing this new stadium. And Saturday, making a quick trip up to Flagstaff on the way to go watch the Grizz defeat the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks. And Flagstaff will be my second time in that stadium. I got to travel to the Dome. Uh, when I was in college with the football team. So, uh, very eventful weekend for me, seeing some friends, getting some sports, getting some pool time, having a good time, and getting ready for a uh, pretty wild weekend in Flagstaff in Vegas. Catch some football Sunday night. Catch me on primetime, know what I'm saying? Uh, But enough about that. Let's talk about some of the fights that have been announced. We have Saeed Nurmagomedov taking on Muin Gufurov. That'll be UFC 294. I mean, when was the last time we even saw Saeed? I feel like I just remember a bunch of them pulling out, not actually having fights booked. He fought Jonathan Martinez, an amazing fight, uh, March of this year, and then hasn't fought since December um, of last year. So really going to be interesting to see how he does bouncing back from a loss. But Gufarov, hard hitter, definitely a gamer. Should be should be a fun matchup, and then we have the bond one of the Bonfim brothers rebooked. We have Ishmael Bonfim taking on Vince Pichel November fourth. I believe that's a fight night, and another brother Javid Basharat and Victor Henry UFC two ninety four, and um, a lot of these young guys getting older, veterans that are still on the roster trying to defend their throne, but Abu Dhabi getting thick. Um, the following UFC, we have Pat Sabatini and Diego Lopez, uh, one of the fan favorite guys that had come in, made a big name for himself. That should be a, it's a, a very important fight for Pat Sabatini. And then stylistically, this is a great one added to 294. Nathaniel Wood and Muhammad Naimov. Uh, really excited to see the prospect Nathaniel Wood back in the octagon. And some interesting roster changes Derek Brunson and Tisha Torres officially off the UFC roster. Tisha Torres just, um, you know, having birth to her her kid and and dealing with that. So I'm not sure if that's permanent. And Derek Brunson seems like uh, maybe been a voluntary move. Uh, But some OGs that have been here, been staples for MMA for men and women. Um, Crazy to see them off the roster. Tisha, I think, definitely believes to still be there. Uh, Derek, you know, he's a top 15 ranked opponent. He's definitely at the latter half of his career. Might want to go get paid elsewhere. So we'll see what happens. We will talk plenty about UFC, uh, main event, how, how that played out, uh, here in a bit, 
but the Nevada State Athletic Commission will be holding a special uh, training on what a 10-8 is, uh, according to Ariel Hawani, for all licensed judges today to really get the memo of what a real 10-8 was because, man, what, what a disaster this was. And then um, major, you know, for Dana, uh, a lot of the brass for WWE, UFC, the Endeavor merger is complete. They now sell on the stock on the street with the ticker TKO. Um, bows and TKOs, baby, we out there. No, uh, the, the, they're selling on the street as TKO. That's really cool to see. Um, as somewhat of a stock connoisseur, it'll be interesting to see how that performs. And then we have the Contender Series. Last week, we did not get to uh, recap Episode 6. I think it was maybe Episode 3 that was my favorite. This is probably beating it. Um, last week's episode, so not yesterday, the 19th, but the week before, five contracts uh, assigned. We had Julia Palastri with a round two rear naked choke finish. She looked great, ready for the MMA or for the UFC. A really great performance by Steven Wynn. He had a round two TKO over AJ Cunningham. Uh, Jonathan Denise, very high level kickboxer with a round one TKO over Eduardo Neves. Uh, so he's getting a contract. And then, although not a finish, we had Gene Matsumoto and Casey uh, Tanner. Envy unanimous decision. Matsumoto got the win, but both um, fighters got their win bonus. So that fight and the women's fight that I believe Julia had, or no, that was a finish. Somebody else, they got their 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 um, win bonuses, although they got lost. So feeling very generous. Five contracts, four finishes. Um, what a performance. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Casey Tanner and if they give him another contender series bout. He looked really, really quality. Uh, but an amazing performance. Dana was on his feet for a lot of this one. Everyone was super hyped up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see a, a couple of these guys move on in their UFC career and how that pans out. Uh, but he was, he was fired up. That's what the contender series is all about, what he brags about all the time, which then set us up for yesterday's episode, episode 7, uh, the guy that stole the show for me, 20 years old. Dana said he's been professionally fighting since he was 15. Uh, already is a Jungle Fight alum, which is a promotion I talk about. You come from Jungle Fight, you're pretty solid, uh, getting wins, and 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 he he holds the title there. Has fought in five round fights, put on just a, a slugger of a fight against another Brazilian, Igor da Silva at flyweight with a round two TKO and a finish. Uh, this kid's going to be a problem. We got the youth movement taking over, man. Uh, we had more of a veteran fella at, at lightweight, uh, Kainen Krushuikski, with a round one rear naked choke uh, for a contract. And no, I'm not going to really act like I know these guys' names are prospects. I do enough watching of other promotions and guys coming into the UFC and early prelims fights to try to understand the UFC roster, which is deeper than hell, to let alone understand who these guys are that I might not ever talk about again. Um, Daniel Allen with unanimous decision over Jacoby Jones. He got a contract. I wasn't super impressed with that one at lightweight. And then the heavyweight, I mean, who the hell is the guy that he got, uh, got matched up with? Shamil Gaziev with the rear naked choke round one finish heavyweight contract. Um, the guy sat his opponent down in seconds, got on his back after uh, a couple reversals. When you're anybody that's grappled or you're doing this as a professional sport, if I'm on top of you and I reach under your neck, the first thing is to fight my hands and defend it. The guy didn't. He just laid there and let him choke him out. Um, that's like a quarterback looking at Nick Bosa coming and just let him fucking demolish him. Um, so really weird situation there. Was not impressed with the quality, but Gaziev is getting a chance. And I, I believe there's three more episodes, uh, I'm sure, all Tuesdays in a row. Uh, which is good because next Saturday there is no UFC. There will be no UFC at the end of October um, either. Um, and or Yeah, October and November with the holidays. Um, so I'll be able to talk about the Contender Series. But this weekend early in Dublin, Ireland, we got Bellator 299. Not a super loaded card. They have Bellator 300 coming up soon. That's where a lot of the talent's going to be happening uh, but we do have Johnny Eblen, the champion at middleweight, taking on Fabian Edwards. 
This will be Johnny Eblen's second title defense with the victory. He's a pretty heavy favorite. I expect him to win. We have Aaron Pico and Pedro Varvalho. Uh, Aaron Pico, quality fighter for Bellator. Expect to win there. Not a lot of action on the prelims. There is Peter Queeley uh, fighting on the card. Uh, the local favorite, he comes out to zombie like the Korean zombie does. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that fanfare. If you are tuning in early Saturday morning, as I head to Flagstaff, I'll probably be watching Oklahoma on my phone while driving. Um, but let's recap UFC Noche. I went 4-1-1 one, and one on picks. We are 92-57-1 with Bows and TKOs, 16 episodes in. And uh, Dana White um, in the Contender Series post-event uh, interview talked about this having 1.1 unique views, which means brand new ESPN Plus eyeballs, um, and is talking about making Mexican Independence Day an, uh, a yearly event. So strap in, tune in for that. You know, that's all... All awesome for me living here in Phoenix. I could go to uh, Vegas for some potential sweet cards that are a little bit cheaper than a pay-per-view and still get some quality fights. Uh, wish I had the time, money, and resources to slip over there this weekend, but me going with Sunday Night Football, which is not going to be a cheap weekend, uh, I couldn't swing it. So a lot of fights that we did not break down that performed pretty well. We had Charlie Campbell early on in the prelims getting a round one TKO Performance of the night, 50 Gs. He got the win over Alex Reyes. He looked good. A fight that uh, I probably should have broken down, but ended up not breaking down. We had Tracy Cortez with a unanimous decision over Jasmine Jostavicious. Tracy looked massively improved with the time off from her injury. Sat on her punches, was lowering the stick. Jasmine's tall, lanky, up in your face, continues to pressure forward. Tracy Cortez Phoenix, shout out, getting the job done, looking fantastic. Speaking of uh, another Mexican-blooded stud, Lupi Godinez with a round two submission via rear naked choke performance of the night 50 Gs, made that look like slight work. And then Daniel Zellhuber with a nice round two submission win via Anaconda choke over Christos Giagos in his return. Very tough loss for Christos. So some solid little prelim fights. If you have ESPN Plus, you haven't looked them back, you know, get Charlie Campbell's name on your radar a little bit. If Tracy Cortez isn't, she's already a ranked fighter. Very, very good performance. Lupe Godinez has been around. And uh, for me, new eyeballs on Daniel Zellhuber. But we're kicking it off in the prelims. No surprises here whatsoever. Roman Kapalov with a round two TKO over Josh Frem. This is performance of the night. And uh, the, the funny thing is, is that this was never a, a, a bout that was su supposed to happen. Roman Kapalov first filled in for Anthony Hernandez, and then uh, Josh Fremd filled in for Chris Curtis. I, I figured this was a little bit of a, a lopsided affair, and Josh did his thing, but Roman is just too slick of a striker, too powerful, throws those nice head kicks that are quick and beautiful, and uh, he was able to land some big shots in the second round early, just like his last two fights, I believe, to get the finish. It only took Roman 54 total strikes, 49 of those significant. He did have the knockdown. And Josh landed 38 total and significant strikes. He was 0 for 5 in takedown attempts. So uh, clearly that was the game plan coming in, and Roman said, nah, not going to happen. Roman now extends his winning streak to 4. He already has had three fights in 2023. Got to catch one live in Salt Lake City. He's really cruising in a uh, very deep, hard-hitting middleweight division. And Josh ends his two-fight winning streak. He starts a new losing streak. He is now under 500 at 2-3 and three in the UFC. So what's next? I would love to see Roman Kapalov and Robocop Gregory Rodriguez Give me violence. Give me danger. It's a certified banger right there. And for Josh, how about Nick's, Nick Maximov, who's going to be looking to re rebound. Good young talent there as well. And then entering the prelims, this was all about Mexico. Raul Rosas Jr. Round one TKO over Terrence Mitchell. Another 50 Gs. Get that 50 cheese, as you'll see on the memes with his uh, Mexican accent. 18 years old, almost 19. 
just comes out like a bat out of hell in the first round. And, and that's really all you could bet on his fights. Is he going to come out? He's going to come out aggressive. Well, Terrence Mitchell probably came out more aggressive, came out big loopy shots. He's like, I'm going to knock this young kid out. Well, it did not work out. The young kid showed he is a problem. It only took Rosas 19 total and 18 significant strikes with the knockdown. And Terrence threw a lot of smoke, but a lot of smoke and mirrors only landed six total and significant strikes. So Raul re restarts that winning streak up. He's 3-1 and one in the UFC. Terrence extends his lo losing streak to two, and he is still seeking that first UFC victory. I have no idea what the UFC is going to do with Raul next, but um, some appropriate candidates, potentially Brady Highstand, ex-Ultimate Fighter champion, um, another young talent out of Spok Compton, Spokane, Washington, that is, or Casey Kenny, who's been out for quite some time trying to make a rebound. And then for Terrence, if he is still in the UFC, how about Guido Canetti, an OG that's been lingering for quite some time as well. But man... Uh, Dana was talking about the, the poll that Raul has. The amount of viewers on the Mexican stream during his fight, his fight insane. I, I, you know, he's so young. I'm sure they're going to slowly move him up the ladder board, but I, I would love to see him and Brady Highstand go at it. Moving on, the co-main event, we had Jack Della Madalena with a split decision victory over Kevin Holland. And, uh, Really what he did to me was uh, prove that he belongs in the top 15. Although he's on a nice win streak, he's not getting rushed. I thought the uh, last fight that he clearly had lost was an eye-opener. Obviously, Kevin Holland's game plan isn't going to be to grapple with him, although he could. He doesn't. He puts on shows. But this wasn't the aggressive Kevin Holland that I'm typical uh, and used to seeing. And I think some of that has to be with the hard hit, hitting power that Jack does in that boxing. Really... Uh, Kevin was able to feel that power pretty early and was like, okay, okay, I'm going to keep this guy at range and pick him apart. And yes, he did keep Jack at range for a lot of the fight and tapped him, but it wasn't big, significant shots that was landing damage that did not help him in the scorecards. If you look at volume alone, you could say, hey, this might have been Kevin's fight, but I did think Jack won rounds one and round three. Maybe you give round two to, to Kevin. So I'm not up upset with the decision personally, although I picked Kevin Holland and in pro Kevin Holland here. Uh, Jack, Jack's going to be tough, man. As long as he could get in range, get in that pocket, land some power shots, he's going to be a hard out. Obviously, his record and what he's done already has shown that. But I thought Kevin Holland was going to use a little bit of veteran experience on him and, and outdo him a little bit, and that was not the case in this fight. Statistically, it was 127 total and significant strikes for Kevin. He was 0 for 2 in takedowns, and Jack landed 105 total and significant you know, if I were to make an educated guess, out of those 127 Kevin landed, I would say maybe 60 significant. And for Jack, out of those 105, more like 90 significant. So, you know, he was landing a lot more of the power shots. And uh, I, I think that paid dividends. But I'm shocked that that's the way it played out. I expected a little bit more creativity from Kevin, a little bit more aggressiveness. And uh, they were, uh, you know, okay with going tit for tat. And I think you got to credit um, Jack for that. I don't remember the last time I've seen Kevin fight like that. Um, you know, he went tit for tat with Stephen Thompson, but he was throwing smoke, broke both of his hands, and I thought he was still more aggressive and threw with more zest in that fight. So uh, you got to credit Della Maddalena. So Jack now is on a 16-fight winning streak. He is smoking hot, 7-0 in the UFC should be seven, uh, six and one. Um, but he does move in to the rankings up two spots to number 12. So almost in the top 10. Now Kevin does end his two fight winning streak. He does start a new losing streak. It's the Kevin Holland, uh, masterpiece, just copy and paste. He is four and three since 2022, seven fights and over a cal and under a calendar year. He stays at number 13 in the rankings. I'm sure we'll see him back sooner than later. I thought maybe he gets a win with Jack. He gets an opportunity, some new opponents up in the top of the division and uh, make a run, but uh, obviously Jack put a screeching halt to that. So Kevin asked for Neil Magny, battle of the hair. I'm all for it. I would expect the two of the most game dudes in the sport will make that happen before the end of the year. 
And for Jack, let's get the Sean Brady fight back. I have not heard anything of Sean Brady in multiple weeks. Um, I, I was really excited for the potential of this fight, so why not make that happen? But what a showing by Della Maddalena. Now, Alexa Grasso split decision draw against Valentina Valentina Shevchenko. Um, my honest scorecards: I had Alexa rounds two, four, and five. I've picked picked against Alexa both times. Um, I absolutely love what Alexa brings to the sport, especially on Mexican Independence Day. I think um, very highly of her ability. Valentina Shevchenko is just a fucking problem, and I've seen her steamroll women for fight after fight, years after years. I thought coming in the rematch, she was going to look more reinvigorated, look a little bit more dangerous, and just find a way, will a way. You know, people are interviewing, asking her about her legacy, this and that. She says, nothing matters but me getting my title back. And uh, I just did not see that killer instinct from Valentina. And I think you have to credit the striking ability that Mexican boxing De La Madalena style uh, that Alexa brings. And it, it really has defeated the game plan that Valentina has. And Alexa does well enough on the ground. Yes, she gets taken down. Yes, uh, Valentina gets some control time. She finds a way to the cage, finds her way up, gets it back to a striking battle. And, you know, Alexa definitely has an age advantage. Uh, Valentina has a lot of mileage on her from all forms of martial arts throughout her career. And there is going to be a, uh, a time in someone's professional athlete life where there is a decline. I think we're seeing that a little bit. Um, you know, the first thing that a lot of people want to address is the 10-8 round. I think that is psychotically, how that was even a thing, really annoying. We could have had a lot of movement with this division without that damn 10-8. I do not agree with it. I don't think it is even close to a 10-8. A 10-8 is literally like, you know, I'm a football fan. What you saw with uh, Steelers, Niners early first half, no offense, completely shut out. That, that, that wasn't the case in this fight. Um, even the fight she got knocked down wasn't a 10-8, so I don't know, you know, the logistics there, and I don't think we need to go spend two hours and talk about all this bullshit because it does not matter. The 10-8 was egregious. I do not agree with it. I do think we're seeing a, a decline in Valentina, and I do think – with 10 rounds in the books that Alexa Grasso has shown that she has bested Valentina. Um, I was a little shocked in the last fight. Um, obviously, she got the finish. I thought Valentina was doing what she does. Alexa has really improved since that last fight in the Valentina game plan. I thought she um, beat her for 15 minutes, and that's all you can ask for that, that should give you a title defense and allow you to move on. There has been a lot of top-heavy studs amanda nunez valentina rose that have held up divisions for a long time and there is a youth movement in all of ufc but on the women's side of thing it's crazier i've talked about this many a times um women's ufc is a lot newer than men's there's not as big of a, a talent pool so to speak and over the course of the years since ronda rousey since valentina since holly Holm, there is a lot of a uh, young amazingly talented women from judo karate other walks of life that have come into the mma and they're well-rounded in their early 20s. They're Aaron, the Aaron Blanchfields of the world, right? Um, and I, I think Manon Fierro is more than deserving for a title shot and has been for quite some time, the streak and what she's done. And, I, I you know, yes, Aaron's great. She's still young. We're, we're not in a rush with her. Uh, she's going to have her flowers. I think Manon deserves the title fight. And Dana in the Contender Series post-event conference said that it's going to be for sure a rematch. You have to do the rematch. He, it makes him sick that this is even a situation. And that most likely Manon Fierro will fight fight Aaron Blanchfield for the number one contender fight. Sure, that's fine. I'm sure Aaron Blanchfield, uh, Manon Fierro will be a fantastic fight. I am just worried about a Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush situation. Manon doesn't win this fight. She's never going to get a title fight uh, opportunity. That is a damn shame for what she's done in the sport and in the UFC. Um, and to be honest, I don't want to see Valentina Alexa again. This isn't Brandon Moreno, Divas and Figueredo level excitement. Um, I don't know. It's high quality striking. I, I, I love both these women. I think they are massively talented and they are great to watch. But this fight, I was just like, okay, I get it. This is going to happen. Alexa's doing her thing. And I was kind of over it and I have no excitement for the next one. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I, you know, usually with the Valentina fight, dude, I am hyped, dude. Valentina Shevchenko is 
literally the KGB. Um, just her aura, her background, her family, the way she lives her life, traveling countries and just trains, trains, trains. She is a freaking assassin, man. And she is amazing to watch. Alexa Grasso, perfect story. Mexican Independence Day, everything behind her, amazing as well. But I'm just not feeling a third one. And I think it's a damn shame to the division. And uh, it's a damn shame to the judge who scored this 10-8. It should be Alexa Grasso. Um, although the 10-8, I believe, would have given Valentina the win. You would have ran it back either way. So that's just my thoughts on it. B uh, great display. Great ability for Alexa to get taken down, get find ways back up, keep it the exchanges going. I thought Valentina did a good job battling each time Alexa had momentum. She would find a way as well. Obviously mixed in wrestling, grappling, you know, a full MMA game plan, striking. Um, she did not have the violent attack of speed and power that I'm, I'm quite used to seeing. But again, you have to give Grasso her flowers. So over the course of five rounds, Alexa landed 262 total strikes, 84 of those significant. She was one for two in takedowns, had a submission attempt, the reversal and the knockdown in round two, which seeing Valentina's eyes definitely sat her down pretty nice. Uh, Valentina landed 199 total strikes, 80 of those significant. So, you know, 63 less total strikes, four less significant. She had four takedowns and seven attempts, so was still able to get attempts when she want or takedowns when she wanted to, and she had a submission attempt of her own. Alexa now keeps her five-fight winning streak intact. She has not lost since September of 2019. And Valentina is going to have to wait to start a new winning streak um, as she has a loss and a draw. Um, I think Dana kind of told us what's going to be next, so I'm not going to bet against that. I do think we should get Alexa Manon Firo, not Aaron Blanchfield. And I think Valentina Rose Name Yunus. Why not? Let Alexa do it. Valentina's having surgery. We can do it whenever Alexa wants. And that gives a, a, a fantastic ex-champion display of Valentina and Rose Namajunas. The winner then can fight um, uh, for a title shot or right up around there. I think that's a win-win. That's great new matchups for everyone. Could you imagine Rose Namajunas and the bullet? Come on now. But uh, yeah, great, great performance. UFC Noche this weekend at a decent, you know, Apex cards are never a fantastic. But for an Apex card, we got a decent one. It's Fight Night Vegas 79. Prelims early on ESPN Plus at 1 Pacific. Main card at 4. During football, I'll be at the uh, Grizz game. Hopefully they're waxing them. Maybe stream some of this. Uh, we are kicking it off in the prelims. We got Muhammad the Motor Usman. 34 years old with a 10-2 and record. Taking on Jake the Prototype Collier, 34 years old with a 13 and 9 record. Now, this is kind of an interesting fight because Jake's been around multiple divisions, kind of been a lingerer and heavyweight. And Muhammad is just getting going, right? He continues to win in the UFC since the ultimate fighter. He is now maybe fighting Jake in a position where if Jake does not win, his UFC career could be on the line or roster spot. Uh, but breaking it down, Muhammad is on a two-fight winning streak, both in the UFC. He's been around, right? He's Kamaro Usman's brother, for Christ's sakes. He's a PFL Titan FC Ultimate Fighter alum, and four of his nine wins are via knockout. Jake is an RFA alum. He is on a three-fight skid. He is one in three since 2022, so he's been pretty active. Five of his 13 wins are via knockout, four via submission, so nine of his 13 wins are via finish and four of his nine losses are via knockout. Now I think Jake's going to, I mean, this is his game plan. He's going to look to make the fight ugly, get Muhammad up against the cage, dirty box him, potentially look for a takedown or leg sweep and just exhaust Usman. Cause we've seen that done in the ultimate fighter and in previous fights. I just don't believe he's going to get what he wants though. Usman is a massive heavyweight I think he's going to outdo him in all those spots. I think he's going to push Jake around when Jake's going to try to push against him. He's not going to have the size or the power advantage. And Usman's definitely improved in the last couple fights. He is in his prime. The time is now. I'm taking the motor Usman. I am putting him on a parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Jacob Mamba Malkoon. 
28 years old with a 7-2 and two record, taking on Cody Brundage, 29 years old with an 8-5 and five record. Now, here is another fight of men potentially fighting for their UFC roster spot. You know, Cody's trying to turn things around. This is his third fight in six months. And I'm assuming he had some momentum. He took an L. He's like, let me get that L out of my mouth. Oh, shit, here's another L. Let me get that out of my mouth. And here we are, um, you know, looking to get some momentum, looking to uh, keep his UFC roster alive. While Jacob isn't either even in his prime yet, but is, uh, definitely has had some splashes thus far in the division. Breaking it down, Jake has a boxing uh, and BJJ style. He's a black belt in BJJ. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is 3-2 and two in the UFC. Now, Cody is an orthodox fighter. He has a blue belt in BJJ. He is a contender series and LFA alum. He is on a three-fight skid. Four of his eight wins are via knockout. And he does have a four-inch leg reach advantage. Um, you know, if he wants to fire some kicks, that might be a good strategy. Now, I think Jacob is more of a well-rounded fighter. I've, I've been more impressed from what I've seen from him on the eye test. You know, he's great with grappling. That's typically where Cody has an advantage. So I think that's really going to eliminate a lot of what Cody goes for. for. And I could see this just being a kickboxing affair. Um, Jacob, not the most technical fighter, but definitely has some power. Uh, he, he throws in a lot of combinations that some fighters lack. They just try to keep distance, one-twos. He'll get in there and, and throw some combos. I think this is going to be a grinder of a fight. I think it's going to be closer than the odds suggest. I, I don't really see how Cody's going to get a win here, though. So I am taking the Mamba. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Tim the Dirty Bird Means, 39 years old with a 32, 15-1 record. Taking on Andre Fialho, 29 years old with a 16-7 and seven record. Both of these dudes have been active of late. Um, probably both pretty desperate in need for a win and some momentum, but are definitely at different stages in their career. Tim, he's a Legacy FC and King of the Cage alum. He was a former King of the Cage champion with two successful title defenses. He is on a three-fight winning streak and has not won since June of 21. 19 of his 32 wins are via knockout. I mean, the guy has freaking 48 professional fights. Seven of his 15 wins, or excuse me, losses are via submission. And he does have a two and a half inch leg reach advantage. Now, Andre's got a, a boxing style. He's an orthodox fighter out of Killcliffe FC. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He came on the scene during COVID. He was tied for the most bouts in a calendar year. He had five in 2022. He is on a three-fight losing streak and has not won since May of 2022. He's trying to turn a hot winning streak into a long one. It turned into a quick losing streak. Now he's ice cold. He is a PFL, LFA, and Bellator alum. 13 of his 16 wins are via knockout, and five of his seven losses are via knockout to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Andre surprised me in some, in some fights. I expect this to be another grinder. I mean, Tim is the dirty bird for a reason. Um, I think this fight's going to go everywhere. I think Tim has looked really good for a 39-year-old stud that's been through a lot of wars. I've been impressed with him. I think the experience and durability that he showcased this past year is going to be the difference maker. I could see Andre, you know, a guy who is just now entering his prime, uh, 23 professional fights, uh, five since 2022. I could see him land a knockout and, and, and find a way to finish the fight. But I'm going with Tim. I think he kills him with volume. I think he mixes it down, uh, some grappling, some stuff up against the cage. And I think he's going to be victorious in the judges' scorecards. So I am taking the Dirty Bird. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving on. The prelim headliner, we have Dan the Determined Argetta. 30 years old with a 9-1 and one record. Taking on Miles Chapo Johns. 29 years old with a 13-2 and two record. Now... Both of these guys are right on the edge of entering their prime. 
They're looking to survive in this very deep, treacherous bantamweight division. And uh, it should be a fun one. Dan trains out of Jackson Wink MMA. He's 1-1-1 in the UFC. Um, the no contest he had was a bunch of BS in June. I think the judge really screwed him there. Uh, he is an LFA and Ultimate Fighter alum. Four of his nine wins are via submission. Now, Miles is an orthodox fighter. He's an LFA and Contender Series alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is only 2-1 and one since 2021. I think Dan is going to be so hungry because he got that victory stole from him. That uh, was the best performance he's had. And Miles just hasn't really been active. He had a Adderall suspension, pulled out due to injury of late. And there's just a lot of risk with that because I know Dan is getting better month after month. He's a great grappler. He's going to look to get Miles down to the ground. And uh, his striking's massively improved. I'm going to say Dan keeps the momentum going. I think he finds another submission opportunity. I am picking the determined. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. In the main card, holy, what a treat we have here. We got Charles Air Jordan, 27 years old with a 14-6-1 record, taking on Ricardo Ramos, 28 years old with a 16-4 record. Now, I talked about some grinder of fights in the prelims. Here we get a fight of the night contender. Two men stylistically amazing to watch. Uh, they're not even in their primes yet. They're going to be a problem in the division. Breaking it down, Charles is a black belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-2 two and two since 2022. Eight of his 14 wins are via knockout. Now, Ricardo trains out of Team Alpha Male. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's a legacy FC alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-1 since 2021. Seven of his 16 wins are via submission. Two of his four losses are via knockout. He does have a three-inch reach advantage. I really do think this is going to be 15 minutes of just back-and-forth kickboxing. Although both of these men are young and have proved a lot already, this is a massive, massively important fight for both fighters. If they want to have a chance to get into the top 15 and float around the top of the rankings, because a loss here just puts you in the murky waters. You're going to keep getting young studs an OG like gatekeeper of veterans. I could already envision in this fight the crazy kicks coming from Air Jordan, the spinning techniques from Ramos. Don't blink. This is going to be a blast. I am very back and forth on who I want here or who I'm picking, but I'm going to take Air Jordan and I'm avoiding him on a parlay if possible. Moving on, a couple more young studs. We got Brian Pooh Bear Battle. 28 years old with a 10-2 and two record, taking on A.J. the Ghost Fletcher, 26 years old with a 10-2 and two record as well. Now, this one's fun because, yes, they're both young, uh, welterweight prospects. I think they both showed a lot of improvement fight over fight. But I've really been impressed with the Brian Battle story since the Ultimate Fighter. You know, him cutting down from heavier weights, his length, the aggressiveness, the style that he's brought has definitely possessed a, a lot of problems for his opponents. And breaking it down, Brian is right now on a one-fight winning streak. Four of his nine wins are via submission, three via knockout. So seven of his nine wins have come via finish. Like I said, he is an Ultimate Fighter alum. He is four and one in the UFC. But this is the crazy stats here. He's got a 10-inch reach advantage and a four-and-a-half-inch leg reach advantage. Now, AJ is a Contender Series alum. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is only 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Five of his 10 wins are via submission, four via knockout, so nine of his 10 wins are via finish. Now, I really do think Fletcher has an uh, opportunity to have a promising career, get a run in the division, I just don't think at this moment in time he's going to be able to hang with the length and aggressiveness that Pooh Bear possesses. You know, Pooh Bear so aggressive. <laughs> um, especially in the course of three rounds, I think uh, Brian's going to force him out of there. Um, the length and all-around ability I think is going to be too much. AJ does have the power. He could uh, find, find the chin. 
I'm not putting my money on that. I'm taking Pooh Bear. I'm putting him on the parlay. We marking that ish down, and we gain that bread. And then we have three fantastic fights. Or Yeah, one, two, three more fantastic fights that for a fight night, we're, we're, we're getting some treats here, some free television. We're getting the amazing Marina Rodriguez, 36-year-old fighter with a 16-3-2 record and the number eight next to her name, taking on Michelle the Karate Hottie. Waterson Gomez, 37 years old with an 18 and 11 record and the number 12 next to her name. Now, this matchup, we get two veteran women who are trying to make another last run in the top of the division. I say last run in the top of the division because it's going to take some time in their, in their late 30s. I think the loser here is basically a top 15 gatekeeper in Angela Hill, uh, if you will. And uh, Marina won the first fight in 2021, which was at, in the flyweight division. This is straw weight, so a little bit smaller, 125 to 115. So we'll see how that, that transpires. But Marina did win the first matchup in May. So breaking it down, Marina has a purple belt in BJJ, a dark blue black tip belt in Muay Thai. She's a contender series alum. She is on a two-fight losing streak. And six of her 16 wins are via knockout. And she does have a three-inch reach and leg reach advantage. Now, Michelle trains out of Jackson Wink MMA. She has a black belt in karate, a brown belt in BJJ. She's an OG, man. She's been in Strike Force, King of the Cage, and Invicta. She was a former Invicta champ with the title defense. In Invicta, she had the 2013 Fight of the Year against Jessica Penne. She might ring a bell. She is on a three-fight losing streak and is 2-5 and five since 2019. Nine of her 18 wins are via submission. Now, I do believe this is going to be a close fight. I mean, you could watch back the first fight. It was only a couple years ago. I think Michelle's going to have to really come in with a specific game plan to come away here. Maybe the, the extra 10-pound cut and Marina flying in straw weight eliminate some of the power and striking that uh, pieced up Michelle before. Cause I do think Michelle's faster. I think uh, Marina is a little bit more technical and a little bit of a harder hitter, but Michelle, what does well for her is the mixing of kicks, the speed. Uh, she could bring in some strikes that aren't seen some spinning strikes. I just can't pick against Marina. I don't know what's going to change in the past two years. I love the karate hottie. This is going to be a scrap. It's going to be worth watching. I am taking Marina, though, and avoiding it on a parlay if possible. Then the co-main. We get Dan 50K Ige, 32 years old, with a 17-6 and record and the number 12 next to his name, taking on Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell, 28 years old, with a 15-2 and record and the number 10 next to his name. And yes, he showed in media this week. He's got the cargo shorts. Uh, uh, ready for the octagon. Now, looking at these two guys, I'm happy they're matched up. Uh, what an intriguing fight this is. Uh, Bryce has had himself a year, an undefeated fighter. The twister finishes. He was hotter than ever, but he got beat down from Aliyah Topuria. He had an injury pull out in another fight. And now he's getting Dan Ige, who is a problem. He's in the middle of his prime and looking better than ever. Breaking it down, Dan trains out of AKA. He has a black belt in BJJ and a brown belt in judo. He has a D3 wrestling background out of Wartburg College. He's on a two-fight winning streak, and he is a contender series, Titan FC, Legacy FC, and RFA alum. Bryce has a black belt in BJJ. He had the 2019 submission of the year against Matt Sales, uh, which was the twister. He's on a one-fight losing streak, which ended his impressive 15-fight winning streak. And nine of his 15 wins are via submission. Now, uh, much like the submission wins, the way Bryce gets there is he takes guys down and finds the opportunity to submit them. I think the only real path to victory here for Bryce is going to be a grappling heavy attack. I do expect Dan to be prepared. He's too skilled of a, a fighter at this point in his career to allow the fight to get there. If he does, he'll find ways back up. I think Dan has more technical striking and is really going to be able to get his boxing going. 
Bryce has surprised us with the opportunities to mix in uh, the striking to open up the grappling. So you never know. Bryce is not amazing anywhere, but very good everywhere. But I think Dan is going to find the openings. I think he's going to find a way to outscore Bryce over the course of three rounds and potentially get a 50G bonus, like his nickname says. I'm taking Dan Ige. I am putting him on that parlay. He's the underdog. He's coming to eat. We marking it down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main event, we have Rafael Ataman Faziv, 30 years old with a 12-2 and record and the number six next to his name, taking on Mateusz Gamer Gamrot. 32 years old with a 22 and 12 record and the number seven next to his name. That's crazy. He is two years older, 10 more professional fights. Uh, Mateusz has been around, man. But uh, not as much as the last fight. This is even more so a clash of styles main event. Some of the better fighters at their craft, so to speak, in the very, very top heavy lightweight division. Uh, Mateusz is going to try to make his first run to the top 15 while Rafael is looking to stay there. Um, and there is a lot on the line here for both men in their primes. Um, main eventing five rounds, don't forget. Now, Rafael has a Muay Thai style. He trains at a Kill Cliff FC. He has a blue belt in BJJ. His last six fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. This guy is uh, uh, stylistically uh, uh, pleasing to watch. He shows up and he shows out, man. He's a 2021 breakout fighter of the year. He's on a one-fight losing streak. He's a Titan FC alum, and eight of his 12 wins are via knockout. Mateusz has a wrestling style. He's a southpaw fighter out of American Top Team. He has a black belt in BJJ. His grappling's high level. He won gold in the ADC European Championships in 2014 and 19. Not worlds, but European. And four of his last seven fights, not the latest ones, but still four of his last seven fight of the night or performance of the night. Big matchups. He's been showing out. Seven of his 22 wins are via knockout, and he is a Cage Warriors alum. I think this fight's going to be a lot like Mateusz versus Gamrot. Or, um, I think this fight's going to be a lot like Gamrot versus Guram Kutataladze that happened a few years back. I think much like the Turner fight, Gamrot is going to have a clear game plan, and that is going to be get uh, to getting Fazeev down to the mat often, early and often. Fazeev just had a five-round warfare with Rafael Tosanos, which if it went to the scorecard, probably was on his way to lose. Uh, but he battled, he got taken down, he got back up, he used every bit of energy, he was bloodied, he was beaten, and he got the finish. Um, Five-round main event experience in wars against ta talented fighters such as RDA, I think is going to pay off massively. I think that experience is going to help him. I won't be surprised if Gamrock gets some takedowns, but I could see Fazia finding body shots, finding shots to keep openings in, get some knees, get some elbows. This guy is tenacious. His speed and technical ability are unreal. I think he's going to find the openings. This is a very, very hard fight to pick. I am taking Fazeev, but I'm avoiding him on a parlay. And what a main event we're getting. Five rounds. Looking at these guys, I don't know if... Mateusz has ever main evented in the UFC off the top of my head. So let's pull that up. I mean, there was an influx a couple of years of these international fighters that are just insane. Both of these dudes thought of as potential future champions, which being a champion in the lightweight division, we got comms out. We got Charles Oliveira, some other foreigners that are amazing. I think it's the toughest division to, to hold a title in. Um, Gamrot beat Jalen Turner. You know, really just grappled him the whole time. Lost to Benil Dariush, so he's not the upper echelon. Very, very good fight against Armand Sarukian. Uh, I thought he lost that fight, personally. Uh, TKO'd Carlos Diego, a little older. Submitted Jeremy Stevens, who's no longer in the UFC, via Kimura. Um, knocked out Scott Holtzman, who's retired. Lost to Guram in a split decision. His first UFC fight against a very technical fighter. That's going to be the best we could pull from in relation to the Vazivite. Fazeev lost to Gaethje. We all know how that played out. 
Um, knocked out RDA in round five at the 18-second mark. Brad Riddell got KO'd with a spinning wheel kick. UD'd over Bobby Green. Very fast hands, hard hitter. Uh, knocked out Renato Moicano. Is pretty well-rounded. UD over Mark DeCasey. Uh, defeated Alex White and lost to Megomed Mustafaev via TKO. Spinning back fist. So, um, both pretty similar and uh, what they've done in the UFC. Fazeev, the most grappling heavy fighter he fought was RDA. He did get taken down quite a few times, found a way. Um, that was his only five-round experience in the UFC. I forgot the Armin Sukarian fight, which was... If, if Gamrock can have gas for that five-rounder, I mean, that would take every ounce out of you. It was gra- some of the most beautiful mix of striking and grappling I've seen in a long time. It was fantastic to watch. Um, and he did have a five-round fight in KSW, which he was, you know, getting the championships there for a while. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's so damn close. I just really like the striking ability of Fazeev. I think it's going to be too much. I think Gamrot is more of a grappler than he is um, a mixed martial artist. And I hope Fazeev finds that opening and proves that point. But like I said, enjoy it. Because we have a week off before... Um, um, as the summer's ending and fall is here, uh, you know, we get the end of September off. Then we have two apex cards back to back. And then we're finishing October off with UFC 294 and Abu Dhabi on the 21st. So some small apex cards after a week off, you get the big card. We get the end of October off. And then in November, we get a fight night Sao Paulo card. So at least it's not the apex followed by the major UFC 295 and MSG, John Bounds Jones, and then one more Apex fight before the holiday weekend. So really just a, a mix of some decent fight night cards for you casual fans out there. And then UFC 294, UFC 295. Again, I like to break down the cards, the fights that I'm tuning in that are worth tuning into. I try to explain the story of why they're worth tuning into. And sometimes we bring up fights that we're not going to break down, maybe a newer guy to the UFC that I have no clue about, or there's just not a lot for me to be able to have, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about fights that I have no clue about nothing on. So that's kind of where we're at. Episode 16. Since we've rebranded, you see the podcast table says business at buckets. That's what we once were. We have separated the business uh, side with the sports side, only MMA. Now we got Boza TKOs, unfiltered business. And, um, you know, uh, Business and Buckets Podcast Network is bringing that out. Um, I've really enjoyed the show so far. If you're a fan of the show, please just do me a favor. We got to get these social numbers up, right? Hit a little bit of like. Hit a little bit of subscribe on YouTube, wherever you're streaming. Hit the social medias. Like. Give me some comments on the Matchmaker Mondays. Um, Thursday Thoughts. would love to have some engagement there. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. Episode 16. We'll see you next week. Go Steelers.